it goes back to that idea of, hey, what can we accomplish if we're not worried about taking credit? So God used that vehicle of, hey, just go where people are. Because when I got on TikTok, it was early. Go where people are, do what I've called you to do. So I just shared these sermons. And and now that's taken on a life of its own well beyond TikTok. So I, I would just say this with, with, with pastors and church leaders, but even with business leaders, with, with moms and dads across the world, where can you serve people where they're at doing what God gifted you to do? And if you'll do that, you don't have to do what somebody else is doing. You don't have to follow a 12-step process. Serve people where they're at doing what mm. God gifted you to do, and you will transform people's lives. God will use you to turn the world upside down. Yo, Ryan Hartley here host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. If this is the first time that you've pushed play and you've joined our Always Better Than Yesterday community, welcome. We will never take your time for granted. We are a community that span 112 countries all around the world. We are like-hearted, we are like-minded, we are heart-centered leaders who really want to make a difference in the world. We want to do more of what we love. We want to be people that we love and we want to serve those people that we love. And this is our way of being able to stay united and connected and learning every single day what it means to be always better than yesterday in our hearts and in our minds. We have episode 140 today with Jeff Cochran. Jeff has 17 years of leadership experience within a church setting. He has his own coaching practice and consultancy. He is the author of the Next Level Leader book and host of the same named podcast. Jeff and I connected through a great mutual friend of ours, uh, of Always Better Than Yesterday, our great friend, Jonathan Darling. So a big thanks to him for setting us up and connecting good people with good people. And talking of good people, I'd like to thank uh, my team, Tide55, who are always in my corner, helping us out with the video production of this podcast. If you're a visual um, person, you like to watch podcasts, then all of our interviews are available on YouTube. And it's thanks to Tide55 for creating the great visuals that you'll see. Maybe that's what's attracted you here through the socials. If they are, great. Thank you. It's amazing to have you with us. Also want to thank our great friends at Web Creation Heads to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. And lastly, if you are new to the podcast or maybe you've been listening a little while, spend a little time with us. Have a little look around. I hope that you get to come as you are and leave a little better. Come and join over 700 like-hearted human beings from all around the world in our Facebook community. Push pause, head over to Facebook, search We Are Always Better Than Yesterday. We've got some great people there waiting to learn from you and your experiences and also for you to be able to learn from. I simply ask that you come as you are and hopefully leave a little better. That's enough from me. Check out anything more um, about Always Better Than Yesterday at ryanhartley.co.uk. 
We soon have some slots coming available for our our one-to-one coaching and our group coaching um, ready for the autumn. And there are a number of other services that we can love and serve you with there, including our Life Languages communications profile and, of course, our incredible merchandise, which people are loving at the moment. RyanHartley.co.uk. That's enough from me. Enjoy episode 140 with Jeff Cochran. Always love, my friends. Jeff Cochran, welcome back to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I say welcome back because we did this once, but no one got to see it. (laughs) That's right, man. We had a great conversation. (laughs) We just didn't get to share it with anybody. Absolutely. We had some audio troubles, and uh, unfortunately, that conversation was... uh, was a great one and only you and I were blessed with it. So here we go. We're going to have another one and um, audio sounds good. We've checked it already. Um, how are you today, my friend? Doing really good, man. It's been a good solid day. Uh, my family and I, we went on a vacation last week. So nice. got to refuel and I am ready to attack August with a vengeance and uh, see just how many people we can help this month. Yeah, man. Love that. Tell us a little bit about um, Jeff Cochran pre next level leader give us an understanding about your your history your background mm-hmm. help us get to know you yeah well i'm a guy who's had a lot of titles and uh, kind of mm-hmm. recognize early titles just don't really mean anything mm. right um, i've done a lot of different things on the side but who i've been most of my career uh, just talking about a career is i've been a pastor in the local church mm. so i uh, live in the united states been a local church pastor spent 17 years doing a youth ministry with teenagers um, spent a year doing adult ministry, adult discipleship groups and things like that. But I've been on every end of the church that you could really think of, right? Mm-hmm. Been across multiple denominations. Um, but I spent time, my first few churches was starting ministries from nothing. So I got that experience of, hey, here's a charge to start something. There are no people for it. You have to go connect them and you have to connect uh, when you're dealing with teenagers, you're not just going and drawing people to you. You have to draw their parents to you, and they have to want to be there as well. So um, I, I really had in those those days a desire in me stoked for, I really like to start things. Mm-hmm. I like to initiate things. I, I, I can see something that isn't and can see exactly what it would be when it is and love bringing people along in that process casting vision and helping people believe bigger. Um, But then by the time I finished my ministry career, um, as far as day to day in the local church, I was serving in one of the largest, uh, one of the largest churches in the world right now Mm. um, and got the opportunity to lead hundreds and thousands of volunteers, got to lead large staffs, got to put on events for thousands. um, But it was really just learning a lot more of the same. It taught me more about not just starting things, but systems and how to create healthy things that last, how to create healthy things that you're not in the middle of. Um, Having to create those through staff members who would get all the credit when I would get none and saying, hey, how can I do this through someone else and cast a vision um, so compelling and put a strategy together that works so well that someone else could do it they could win and I could just be cheering them on in the background. So mm. uh, I did that up until January of this year. And uh, as I was getting ready to release my book, really felt God stirring within me that I wasn't leaving ministry, but my next season of ministry was going to be helping leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, and, and people who just feel stuck in their life mm. to take their next step. So 
Um, I stepped out of the church world. And today my, my ministry is twofold. It's part organizational for for-profits mm-hmm. and nonprofits doing executive coaching, consulting. And then part of it is coaching individuals who say, I know there's something more in me. Mm-hmm. I have a dream. I have an idea. I have something I'm pursuing, but I don't know how to get there. And I feel stuck mm-hmm. and helping them uh, really just make good progress and see their dreams come true. So I'm the coach that is constantly trying to work myself out of a job and hoping I do it so well that you send somebody else my way. Yeah, man. Love that. You and I are like-hearted, and I, I liked the thing that you shared recently on on Instagram, which gave this depiction of the funnel in the upside mm-hmm. down funnel, and and the paradoxes with the way with which Jesus worked compared to the way that we do now. And I just um, I find it interesting because the church draws people in to serve, doesn't it? And actually, yep. your time, your you say you spent near 17, 18 years of your life serving the ministry, which is continually serving a a group of of followers, right? That's right. But I love what you're doing, which which is about actually by the fruits of my spirit, will I be known out in industry, out in the world? Because God knows the world needs more heart and care and compassion and faith, love and hope yep. in our teams and our communities. So I love that what you shared, man. I thought it was really cool. How did, what did you kind of what was behind your sharing of that image? Well, you know, I shared it was an image by Pete Scazzaro, who uh, wrote the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, um, which was a book that really transformed my life a few years ago. Um, So I follow along with him, but but he and I have been thinking very similarly. Um, When I left the church in January, leaving the church didn't mean that my heart left the church. Um, My wife still works in a local church, um, and she can tell you I still talk about church and ministry and the future of the local church as much as I do business or anything else in my home. And um, man, really have just, I have felt with everybody who's close to me, they've heard it. Um, Some pastors who probably didn't want to hear it in our local area have heard it. Um, But I've been beating the drum of the future of the church, I believe wholeheartedly. The churches that are most successful over the next 50 years of reaching people are going to be the churches that find a one-on-one discipleship identity instead of an event identity. Mm. Right. And the, the come and see church, yeah. uh, that model worked so well mm. in, in the 90s and the early 2000s. But across the world, people are modeling the same idea of church. And it's, hey, let's come in. Um, let's get you into an event. Let's get you into something. You'll come. You can come for a little while, kick the tires. And then we want to help connect you to a growth track or a next steps. And mm-hmm. we're going to help try to connect you to where you can serve in the body. And mm-hmm. we want to help you learn how to give and be generous and all of those things. And then, you know, when you've done all those things, we'd really like to plug you into a, a group. And in a small group of people, you can get discipled. And, and if you hang around long enough, we'll connect you with one person who'll just do life with you and disciple you. And, yeah. and Pete put up that funnel that said, no, Jesus started with a few guys. Yep. And he poured his life into them personally. And then they grew and they served and it was backwards mm-hmm. what the church does. So, um, but I told a friend, Ryan, you're going to appreciate this. I told a friend recently, uh, a local church pastor, he said, Jeff, what are you learning about being outside the church? And I, I laughed. I said, I've learned more from six months outside of the church than I learned 17 years serving in it, 18 years serving in it. Yeah. Um, and, and I talked to him about something I'm calling the narcissistic church. I'm actually working on a blog post for it right now. And uh, when people hear it, it sounds so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I don't mean it to sound bad, but I've encountered a lot of the narcissistic church, which is coming in on the weekends. I visit a lot of churches. I consult with a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the background, 
no matter what their worship experience is like, the thing I hear most is let's, let's help you take your next steps. Let's help you grow. Let's teach you this, but it's always through the vein of how you can be generous and give to the church, mm-hmm. how you can embrace God's purpose for you and serve in a role within the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the question I just posed this pastor was, I said, what would happen if instead of talking to people about how they can connect to us, the church, we started talking to people about, Hey, how are you gifted? What makes your heart beat faster? I believe the church that is successful in the future, they're going to be churches that realize the church Mm. should be the greatest incubator for entrepreneurs in the world. (laughs) We find where you're gifted. We find where you're passionate. We find that purpose God's put in your heart and realize that for most people, the greatest ministry they will do is outside the walls of a building. It's with what God's already put in them. Mm. But if you can help me step into my purpose I'll do anything I can to serve what you're doing inside the walls. Could you change my life? Right. It's organic. So um, I really believe that the future of the church is one-on-one discipleship, connecting with people, finding out what makes them tick Mm -hmm. and saying, we want to resource you to be Jesus, to be love everywhere you go. Yeah. I love that man. I, uh, I got a good friend here in England. His name's James Green. He's creative director of, uh, of a Christian music label called Stable. They also have kind of like a head office in uh, Tennessee, just down the road from you. Okay. And um, yeah, when him and I go out and we 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 spend time in the British pub, we um, it, it's like the Book of Acts. It's like getting back to the Book of Acts, and I grow so much in my you know my spiritual life and understanding and the way that I walk just through those one-on-one conversations. So you're you're absolutely onto something, mate. Because I I definitely feel um, enriched by those conversations. Yeah. There's something special about them and uh, you can't replicate that from an event. You can't replicate those relationships from an event. Mm. I think there's something also about the big events, you know, every now and again, because like, you know, I think when we're, when we're apart through coronavirus, we, we kind of crave that communal activity and, 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 and I'll profess many of my listeners will know my background. I did not want to be a follower of Jesus. That guy pursued me <laughs> and he pursued <laughs> me through music. And um and I and I and I have yet to really experience a mega church um, uh, event. So I, I am looking forward to doing that soon um, because I, we went to a festival, and I thought it was going to be like a mm-hmm. weekend full of Ned Flanders. I honestly, I thought it was going <laughs> to, <laughs> but it was incredible. All walks of life, yeah. praising. Um, you know, it was, it was incredible. So I look forward to the day yeah. and, and, and the events are good. There's nothing wrong with them. They yeah. just can't replace that human connection yeah. that we desire so much. And, and God wired us for it for a reason. We're supposed to find him in that human connection, um, not find him just through a theology. Yeah. I love that. I, um, Oh, I had a playful interaction with someone on my Facebook timeline. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have engaged. I should have risen above it. But someone just absolutely poo-pooed humility, saying, why would I want to be humble? There's no benefit to being humble. Um, Why would I want to believe that I was less important? I see no benefit to it. Instead, I should be proud. And and, and I was just like, oh, man, like this goes against everything I understand to be the truth. I didn't want to be that guy that that started quoting Bible references to him. Right. So I, yeah. I talked about my understanding of leadership and good leadership. And obviously we know where that comes from, but how has your faith and your background in ministry helped your understanding and, and, and uh, application of leadership? Yeah. Well, so we just talked about it a moment ago. Faith 
is all about people. We're supposed mm -hmm. to find God through our interactions with the people of God, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about the church. The future of the church is all about people, relationships, sending people out, helping, helping them experience and understand what their purpose is, their passion, their gifting, resourcing them to do that. Well, leadership is no different, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Leadership is about people. It's never about you because if it's about you, you're not leading your grandstanding. And there's a lot of grandstanders out there in leadership positions, but leading implies someone's following me to a place they've not been yet. I am helping someone go from where they are today to where they want to be. And it's a place that's mutually beneficial. So for leadership, I think my faith informs it a ton uh, because I, I've realized you know, humility is important. But the guy who is who is going back and forth with you in Facebook, he's saying, why would I think of myself as less important? Well, that's not humility at all. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the book of, I believe it's in Numbers 11. I could be off there. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I believe it's in Numbers 11. Uh, but it's in Numbers where Moses at one point, um, or the writer says, Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And that doesn't sound too bad. We're like, yeah, Moses, humble, right? Until you realize who wrote the book of Numbers. It was Moses. <laughs> so Moses wrote about himself in the word of God. I am the most humble man on the face of the earth in third person, which, which doesn't make it any better, right? Yeah. So humility doesn't mean I don't see what's in me. Humility simply means I'm less concerned with me and more concerned with finding what's special in others, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a leader, there's no better way to lead and elevate yourself than being more concerned with how do I elevate others. That's the job of a leader. The job of a leader means I've chosen, I volunteered to take a back seat, right? I volunteered to, when something goes well, it's actually my team's fault. I, I, I'm giving praise to my team, to someone else who did it, even when it was my idea, because we worked it through them. But leadership is all, also, when something goes wrong, even when I had nothing to do with it, those are the people that I led, I missed something, extreme ownership, it, it's my fault, right? So, there's when we look at leadership for what it is, faith helps inform it because I think the world's idea of leadership is it's about a title, a position, mm -hmm. it's about perks, it's sexy. Leadership is not sexy because leadership is all about there's people who can't get where they need to go on their own. And you have to figure out how to take them somewhere they've never been and fall on the sword a lot of times to get them there. So my faith has helped me to understand that tremendously. So when I talk mm -hmm. with leaders, the number one thing that we're talking about, we're talking about people. How can you find what's special about your people? How can you, how can you build a culture of trust with your people? And how can you help them accomplish their best? When you do, they're going to accomplish great things for your organization, but they're also going to stay because employee turnover is through the roof right now. It's one of the greatest, uh, greatest costs that businesses are facing. Yeah. But beyond that, um, we talk about things that are are kind of um, secondary to that, like communication. Um, so everything that I do to help leaders grow and help organizations grow, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about culture, even when we come in and I, I'm starting something called the growth accelerator, where I'll come in with an organization, do a three day onsite listening assessment, we'll figure out exactly where they're stuck and where they want to grow. It could be a department, it could be an area like revenue, whatever it is. We pick one spot where they're stuck and want to grow and basically guarantee them, here's the plan. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to run this plan. We're going to develop your people. And if you will work this plan, I guarantee that at the end of the 12, 18 months, whatever you contracted me for, 
that you'll see the significant growth we agreed upon or I'll refund you half of the money you paid me, which means I'm barely paying the bills at this point. Mm. But the reason why I do it is because I know that even with the growth accelerator, we'll find some tangible practical problems, mm. but most of your problems are people problems. And I know that your people know what those problems are, but they may not be telling you because they're worried they're going to get in trouble if they tell you the truth. So if we can begin to build systems of trust and safety where people can tell you the truth, we're going to find out exactly how to get to the place we want to be. Mm -hmm. But if your people know you care about them, you love them, and they're safe, they'll make you right when you're wrong. So if I've helped improve a culture by being there, I know that even if I'm wrong on something, the people will help make me right and in turn help the organization grow because we've done something that they see as better for them. So mm -hmm. even when it's bottom line growth, revenue dollars, the way I'm approaching it with my money, my income guaranteed on the line is still through the lens of how can we best serve mm -hmm. the people who are in the organization. So yeah. I think every part of leadership, every part of consulting and coaching is all about, hey, how can I look into the eyes and heart mm -hmm. of someone and help them see something about themselves that they haven't yet believed and help them start to believe it. Mm. Mm. Talk to me about um, the drive behind next level leaders. Did it come from a heart of wanting to see next level leaders or did it come from a dissatisfaction of uh, the opposite? Uh, it, it came from both. <laughs> Wanted to see more next level leaders I was dissatisfied with the current state of leadership. In the book, mm -hmm. I talk a lot about average leadership. Mm -hmm. Average leadership is what most leaders look like, and um, it's just not good enough. Mm -hmm. Average is not good enough in the, the day we find ourselves in today. It wasn't good enough pre-pandemic. It's definitely not good enough now, mm -hmm. right? But the funny thing is neither one of those were the primary driver behind me writing the book, right? When you sit down to write a book, man, it's one of the most arduous things I've done in my life. And not only was it hard, but you put yourself out there for professional editors to come back and, and basically just tell you exactly why you suck in red marks all over your manuscript, right? Um, but the reason I wrote it, and, and I talk about this in the book, the reason I wrote Next Level Leader was from a place of my own insecurity. I knew I was not good enough to do what I felt like God had called me to do. So I talked about finishing my career at a very large church in the United States here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, a, a top 100 church in the United States, one of the larger churches in the world. And I felt confident, Ryan, through the entire interview process. Mm -hmm. I only interviewed at one church in eight years. And I knew I was supposed to leave the place that I was at. And I had friends who were saying, including my wife, who were going, hey, why aren't you interviewing at more places? And I said, this is the place. I was confident. But the moment they offered me the job, I'll never forget it. <laughs> I got a call. I'm sitting in my office in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. I get a call from my soon-to-be boss. He says, hey, we want to extend your offer. We're sending you this offer letter. Um, I accept it verbally. I haven't even signed the offer letter yet. I hang up the phone and immediately went from being confident mm -hmm. to I had this thought, how long until they realize I'm a fraud? <laughs> it's probably not healthy. I needed counseling. I got counseling later. But that was my thought was mm. I'm not as good as they think I am. I'm really good at interviewing. I have the potential to be who they think I am. But today, I've never led anything like this in my life. And I was going from leading a ministry of 80 people total to leading more than 200 volunteers in a ministry that mm. um, averaged over 1,000 people a month, right? So I was stepping into something that was just so big, it scared me. So 
I made a decision. I was going to learn everything that I could. I started reading books. I started devouring podcasts. But that day on a yellow legal pad, I always had these small yellow legal pads on my desk. I remember writing one question and it's where the book came from. It's changed my life. <laughs> the question was what separates average leaders from those who go to the next level? Because mm. all I knew was the people at the place I was going to, they were on a different level than me. And if I was going to, to swim in the, in the, the same waters, I was going to have to level up my leadership. Mm. The same average leadership that cut it before wasn't going to cut it. So I started asking that question. I took that question from a legal pad to the notes in my phone. And I started calling people before I ever left where I was at. <laughs> for the next year, year and a half, I asked every leader who was ahead of me that same question. It, they were one step ahead of me and nobody knows who they were. Or if they were iconic leaders that everybody knows, like John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. I asked every person I got the opportunity to meet who was ahead of me that same question. What separates average leaders from those who go to the next level? And I cataloged the answers for me, Ryan, mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be exposed as a fraud. <laughs> I wanted to grow. I knew mm -hmm. I had to get better. And after a while, I started getting better. Everyone around me started talking about future promotions and different levels of potential than I'd ever thought about. Um, I had people talking about, you know, in the professional counseling space, career counseling, talking about um, really there being no height to where I could go. And I thought, what people have just noticed this because of what I learned from other leaders. This is not who I was. And that was when I realized I have to share this or I'm being intellectually dishonest <laughs> because this isn't me. I have to share what has made the impact in me with other people, because if it can transform my leadership, mm. it can transform everybody's. And, and after I asked thousands of leaders, that same question, they all really said the same 15 things. So I distilled 15 leadership traits into three leadership spheres or the three sides of the leadership triangle, as I call it, and uh, have really just tried to simplify leadership development, not into uh, a system, but a process, a journey where everyone no matter who they are, where they're at, what their experiences are, mm -hmm. they don't get into a one-size-fits-all mold. That's not what the book is. Mm -hmm. The book is a set of entrance ramps where you can find where's my next interest ramp or entrance ramp, my closest entrance ramp to get on the journey of leveling up my leadership. And I'm not, I'm not looking sideways. I'm not worried about what someone else is doing. This is my path. And 10,000 people can take this assessment. And they can get 10,000 different next results for their development plan. Mm -hmm. The reason being, the reason I can say that is because it's happened, right? So um, I wanted to create something where people could just say, hey, how do I get from where I'm at today to where I want to be tomorrow, but have a common language for it? So um, that's where the book was born out of. And I, I always hate to say it, but the reality is the book was born out of me not being good enough mm. and my own insecurity, uh, perhaps even just the imposter syndrome I was dealing with. Yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, I, I experienced something very similar. I got my first ever European marketing uh, client here in, 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 in England and they wanted to pay, you know, for me to travel to Europe to do a, a workshop where I help their team, marketing team, discover their purpose. I got off the phone, obviously said yes, giggled like a little girl. And then my brain that night was just like, what if you get found out? <laughs> what if you can't help these people? What if this is the shortest consulting career anybody's ever had? <laughs> and I and I and I really 
found benefit to that voice because it gave me the opportunity to talk back. It gave me the opportunity mm-hmm. to seek truth in the lies. But I, I saw a damning article recently of coaches who there's a disproportionate number of pop-up coaches at the moment doing a quick certificate and then, um, uh, and, and then, and then talking about having imposter syndrome. And this article says, maybe you've got imposter syndrome for a reason, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, may- maybe more people should realize that they're not in the right place and that many things take mastery, you know, a, de- a life's dedication right. to the craft. Well, where did you start dedicating your, your um, time and attention to in terms of your own leadership? Yeah. Well, man, my coaching career goes back to uh, being 18, hmm. being tasked to lead a student ministry with other 18 year olds in it. Um, and saying, how do I lead people who are right underneath me in age? How do I lead these parents who look at me like they look at their child, right? I had to learn how to coach people early. And, and the, the greatest thing I learned early was not how to coach. It was how to be coached. Mm. You can't be a coach and you can't be a leader if you can't first be led and you can't be coached. So those early years, I learned what it was like to have a coachable spirit, coachable attitude. To, um, man, I, I just I became a ferocious question asker. And I think that first decade of just asking questions in my 20s was, was massive. And then about the time I hit 30, something, something shifted. And I tell leaders all the time, you're going to feel like you're too young. You're too young. You're too young. There's no opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're going to go one day from being too young to saying, I'm too old for that opportunity. They think I'm too old. Now my age is, and I don't know when we're just right. I don't know what that age is. I never experienced it. But when I turned 30, People started looking at me differently. I got, you know, opportunities like the ones I've shared with you already. And, and from there, I got to coach on the other side. Mm-hmm. You see, as I, was, as I was being coached, I would coach people in volunteer roles and things like that. But I got to coach at a whole nother level, begin to spend, you know, the next five years doing nothing but coaching people. My job was to coach staff members, volunteers. My job wasn't to do much else. Mm-hmm. It was to coach people to step into their full potential and to do those things. I, I took some certifications and none of them stood up to just real life being coached and coaching people. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't from wanting to be paid or anything like that. It was just, I want to help people reach their full potential. And mm-hmm. so I got the certifications when I realized I wanted to do this full time, but I would look back at it and say, I've spent, um, I spent 18 years before the last year, um, really working on how to be coachable and how to coach and how to help people. Right. So the mastery comes from, I've spent almost 20 years doing this before I ever started getting paid with the title of coach. Right. Mm -hmm. It was part of what I did, but it was never my title. So I think sometimes we get so much in a rush that we want the title that we forget the work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Jesus going back to faith and our faith perspective that we share Jesus spent 30 years preparing for ministry, never did a miracle that we know of. Mm. No one knew his name. He spent 30 years preparing for three years of ministry, right? I spent over 30 years of my life preparing to to step out 35 years of my life before I stepped out and said, I'm a coach that can help organizations. I'm a coach that can help people and and got to do that and get experience on the way, Mm. right? Like when I stepped out on my own, it wasn't the first time I'd even gotten paid for it. I did it with other people who said, Hey, we see this in you come alongside with us, right? Uh, a company called Ministry Architects. I'll never forget when their executive vice president, Jeff Dunrankin, called me one day and he said, hey, I think there's something in you. We want you to join our team as a consultant. 
hmm. traveling across the country, dealing with, with churches and nonprofits and helping them. And I remember thinking, I, I don't think so, but I would love to go with you. The experience is worth it. Well, heck man, after four years of, of doing that stuff with them and flying across the country, I realized, you know what, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I have a unique perspective for business and for creatives. And it was the same thing with a book. I wasn't able to write a book until I spent probably six, seven years writing blogs. And mm-hmm. before that decades reading books. So I, I think for <clears throat> those that are listening, I would just encourage them don't trust the pop-up coach. Hmm. A pop-up coach is, hey, I just decided to be a coach. Ask questions about how they got into this. Ask questions about their background. Now, they may have just started their coaching business. Mm -hmm. They may have just started calling themselves a coach. But if you look at their background and realize they've been coaching people for a long time, they're not a pop-up coach. So we've got a mutual friend. Some of the listeners will know him, John Darling. Mm -hmm. Just, man, I I love that guy. I respect him so much. He's not a professional coach. He's got a leadership title um, in the business world right now, but he didn't for years. Yet, I've, you know, recent conversations with Jonathan, I've said, "Hey, man, you you've got over 15 years' experience coaching people. You're a coach, right?" So, mm-hmm. I don't trust pop up coaches. Not talking yeah. about the title, but yeah. people who say, "I just want to do this." You have to put in the work before you can help other people take steps, right? So, if you're not where you want to be yet in any area of life, ask yourself. Have I put in the work? And if not, what's the work I need to start putting in today? Because I can't even remember who said it, but um, someone, one of the big guys said years ago that if you want to become an expert at anything, just give it, and I think it was John Maxwell, give it an hour a day, work on it an hour a day for five Mm. years and you'll become an expert. So, you know, just, it's like chopping a tree. The tree doesn't fall down until you've taken a whole bunch of swings. So just take two, three, four swings a day Mm. at that place that, that you want to be put in the work and you'll get there before you realize it. If you don't want to put in the work, you're not going to be able to do it well when you get there. Yeah. What is a pastor like you doing on TikTok? Well, um, you know, again, we talked about faith earlier. I I think Jesus modeled that he went where people were. Yeah. Right. So my model of church, uh, I think that's why I struggle with the, the model of church of, Hey, come and see, come to our event again, nothing wrong with events, but Jesus went where people are. So I try to go where people are and Mm. TikTok overnight became this opportunity of, Hey, people are on there. So I'll get on. And uh, it felt like overnight there were 10,000 followers on TikTok and I'm just posting sermons that I'd already Mm -hmm. preached. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I started posting more and before I knew it, it was close to 50,000 followers, um, but have reached millions of people with the gospel. Right. Mm. Because there are people who my (laughs) best video my best video that's reached, you know, almost a million people has probably reached close to 50 million people through other people who shared it, right? So it's funny. My hmm. most watched video is now being circulated in other places where they don't even credit me, but only people hmm. who know me go, that's your voice, that's your sermon, right? Hmm. Um, but it goes back to that idea of, hey, what can we accomplish if we're not worried about taking credit? So God used that vehicle of, hey, just go where people are. Because when I got on TikTok, it was early. Go where people are, do what I've called you to do. So I just shared these sermons. And and now that's taken on a life of its own well beyond TikTok. So I I would just say this with with, with pastors, with church leaders, but even with business leaders, with, with moms and dads across the world, where can you serve people where they're at? doing what God gifted you to do. 
Mm-hmm. If you'll do that, you don't have to do what somebody else is doing. You don't mm-hmm. have to follow a 12-step process. Serve people where they're at doing what mm-hmm. God gifted you to do, and you will transform people's lives. God will use you to turn the world upside mm-hmm. down. So um, if a uh, you know a guy and his uh, a, a middle-aged white guy, a white guy in his mid-30s can jump mm-hmm. on TikTok and impact millions, then you can impact millions and billions just by meeting people where they're at, yeah. doing what God's gifted you do. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God created you to be. That's enough. It's coming back to that guy, Moses, isn't it? Like Moses has a bit of imposter syndrome. He's like, how am I supposed to do this? Why me? And God says, what's that in your hand? He reminds Moses, you've already got everything you need. He's got this staff mm-hmm. in his hand, and it's a case of simply that, isn't it? Sometimes, literally, what's that in your hand? Go use yep. what I've given you. Go make the maximum amount of impact. If we don't use it, I promise you, Ryan, God will pick somebody else to use, right? So here's the thing. My first book was not Next Level Leader. Mm -hmm. My first book didn't get published by me. And the reason why I've been sharing a concept with some friends for a while, some other friends started teaching at other places. Uh, Oddly enough, I had a friend who went to London, was at a conference and uh, got called upon pretty last minute to, to share and speak to this group of leaders, right? So he's talking to this international group of leaders about one of the concepts that I'd been writing about and I'd been teaching about. And he said, you know, I think I credited you. I'm pretty sure I did, but, um, you know, six, seven months passed, eight months passed, didn't think anything about it. Well, about a year later, he comes to me and he puts a book on my desk and it's by a guy that we all know. It's by a guy who was in the room at the time. And he said, chapter three is your book. And I read it and I was like, chapter three is my book, right? And I ended up scrapping it because I said, he's taken so much of this within his own book. I don't think it's worth writing my own book on right now. So my first book, someone else wrote because I was scared to publish it. I was scared to Mm -hmm. send it to an editor. So Mm -hmm. the second book, the book that's published that you can buy, that one was the one where I just said, hey, it's not going to be perfect, but I'm not going to let someone else write my book again, right? Mm So Mm -hmm. um, God's given you something to do don't wait so long that he gives someone else the assignment because he chose you, right? Mm-hmm. It's for you to do. And I, I just, I've got this fear. I think it's a healthy fear, maybe not, mm-hmm. but I've got this fear that I'm going to end up at the end of my life. I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, Jeff, let me show you what I actually had planned for you to do. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you believe in yourself enough to do it? Mm-hmm. Right. I want to stand before God and hear well done, good and faithful servant, because he mm-hmm. says you did some things you did everything I called you to do, but you did some things I didn't even call you to do because you believed I'd show up, right? Um, I just don't want to miss the opportunity to make the impact that I can make. Because at the end of the day, what what really matters other than the legacy that we leave? And the only reason people remember you six months after you're gone, because six months after you're gone, people have forgotten, they're moving on. The only reason they remember you is because you impacted their lives. Mm. You helped them step into who they were called to be. So, um, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to impact people for hundreds of years, for generations to come after I'm gone because of belief. And a book was a great way to do that. Write it down. It'll survive longer than you. Yeah, love that. Let's wrap up with the book then um, for, for people. Where can they get it? And talk to us about the three sides of the leadership triangle just as a hook for them to go and read more. Yeah. Well, the three sides of the leadership triangle, every great leader who's going to escape average has to have these and they have to have some strengths that balance that triangle. So um, at the base of the triangle, and it's very important that it's the base of the triangle, you have to have this first, 
is leadership hunger. Hmm. It's that, that inner drive. I call it inner drive. It's that inner drive where no one has to, no one has to energize you. No one has to motivate you. You bring your own weather, you get up and you pursue what God's called you to do. You've got to find a way to drive yourself, right? To motivate yourself. And there's a whole list of traits that fall into that. Everybody's not going to have every single one of them, but we have to have a measure of inner drive at the base of the triangle. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of the triangle, you're going to find outward focus. And outward focus is it doesn't matter how driven and motivated I am. If I'm not focused on people outside of me, then I'm just a narcissist that no mm -hmm. one's going to want to follow, right? Mm -hmm. So outward focus is about having a focus for how I can serve other people with that drive that I have, that that calling or those giftings, mm -hmm. right? And then the last side of the triangle, the third side is discipline, determination. And mm -hmm. the cool part about discipline, determination is the five traits that fall under that side of the triangle. None of them are like natural giftings you have to be born with. Mm -hmm. They're just hard decisions we have to make. And it's, it's being disciplined enough that you just determine, you decide, I'll do the hard things that are required mm. to become the person I want to become. Yeah. I'll do the hard things that are required consistently to get where I want to go and to help other people do the same. And when you marry those three together, inner drive, outward focus, and discipline, determination, there's nothing that you can't do. Um, so I talk about the different traits, a lot of different ways that you can get there, break those down, share a ton of stuff I learned from leaders all across the world. Um, but you can get the book on Amazon right now. It's $17.99. Um, that's going to ship to most countries. Um, but Ryan, if it's okay with you, I'd love to do a, a giveaway just to um, to your community because being a part of Always Better Than Yesterday, listening and learning from your podcast for a while, I, I love to serve those who have served me. So um, you can get the book at $17.99 on Amazon or uh, $10 on the Kindle version. Um, but also I have a 360 degree assessment. The book comes with a free assessment. Um, but the problem with free assessments is that we don't assess ourselves well. Um, we're generally not self-aware as humans. Um, so with a 360 assessment, it allows someone who leads you and someone who you lead or appear mm. to take it with you. And mm. you find out, you get input, they get input. You find out exactly where you're leading in the season and the place that you are today. And then with that comes a development plan, a full mm. report that helps mm. you take your next step. So that's normally 35 bucks and you have to get a book with it. So it's a $50 investment. Um, I would love to put on the website and just give an opportunity for your listeners. If they want to get the book and assess their leadership, um, I'm going to have the Kindle version of the book, the ebook that I can send them for $5. Um, but if they want to do that with the assessment, I'll do it for $29. Um, that's not even going to cover my time, but I'm going to, it's going to be a 30 minute coaching session with them just to help them see, here's your path. And if you want to take it, you don't need me to keep taking it. But if you want to take it, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. That's very kind of you, my friend. That's very kind of you. If you're listening, absolutely take advantage of, of Jeff's um, very generous offer. My friend, thank you so much for that. Not a problem. Um, and that'll be jeffcochran.online slash uh, AB. We'll stick it in the show -Y. notes. Yeah, -Y, we'll, yeah, we'll stick it in the show notes. My friend, thank you so much. And um, you know, I, I believe in in timing and perfect timing and uh, why do you think the, the first recording didn't go to plan? You know, we talked a lot about the book and we talked a lot about good things. Um, but there was something rich in today's conversation that was just, I, I think it connects with everybody 
no matter where they are, who they are. And I think it's just the real us, man. Um, because the book is just a small piece of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. It's a small piece of the conversation. So I think God knew exactly what needed to be out there. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening, there was something for you today, whatever you heard, whatever's grabbing hold of your heart, um, just act on it because it was for you. Because I'm, I'm sat here looking at the list of questions that I'd kind of prepped and I was just like, that's not for now. I'm just not feeling those questions for now. And you're right. I think we have had a great conversation. There's something absolutely that someone has heard today that they otherwise would not have heard. It's powerful. It's powerful. I always trust in timing. I, I've had to learn to surrender and to trust. But my friend, thank you so much for your time. What does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you? I think always better than yesterday to me, and this is going to be different than the answer I gave the first time, but Mm -hmm. it means just consistently taking steps toward who you know you want to be and who you're called to be. Mm. Just take a step every day. That's all it takes. Love it. Practical, you know, and that it's simple, practical, actionable. And I think that that's, that's the stuff I pride myself on. Thank you for taking time out of your day, mate. Really great to have you back on for the second time at the first time in, in, in official sense. Uh, would you please leave us a final thought from your good self? Absolutely, man. You, you can do it. Wherever you're at, wherever you're listening from, you can do it. I believe in you. Ryan believes in you. And we can say that without meeting you because we've seen thousands of people who didn't believe in themselves mm. start to believe and realize it was right. You can do it. If you can't believe in yourself yet, borrow our belief. Do that thing you feel called to do because you'll change the world when you do it. Love that. If you want to hear more from Jeff as well, he has a Next Level Leader podcast uh, available on all good podcasting platforms. Yeah, go and check it out. Jeff has some great conversations. He's had her always better than yesterday community friend Anna Samborn from, um, from Sweden. Have you had JD on there yet? Uh, yes, I had him on early, uh, right before impact Knoxville. Great. So there's already familiar for some familiar faces on the next level leader podcast, plus some of great insights from Jeff and other, uh, guests of his. So go and check that out. And, uh, Jeff, thank you for your time, my friend. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much, man. It was an honor to be here. go episode 140 with jeff cochran i just i have faith and trust now when things don't always go to plan i've done this enough times now i I know that good things come at the right times we can't force it and uh, for whatever reason jeff and i's first conversation didn't get manifest and brought into the world however this is what replaced it and i know that if you're still listening right now, there was something in this episode that was for you. That the reason that it delayed for the first time was for you. And you needed to hear what we said on this occasion. I don't know why. Maybe you know why. Maybe you'll let me know why. Make sure you do. RyanBHartley at gmail.com. Make sure you email me or share this to your story or, or tag us on social at RyanBHartley. Love to hear from you let's keep this podcast a two-way conversation and let me know why you think the first episode didn't happen and more specifically what it was within this conversation that was for you i appreciate you thank you for listening i'll be back soon always love my friends